You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Hey folks, just a reminder, today's show is brought to you by Audible. Start a 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free. Go to audible.com slash Detroit or text Detroit, that's the word Detroit, to 500-500. Once again, text Detroit to 500-500. One such uh, title you can check out on uh, Audible is called uh, Access All Areas, which is by uh, Scott Ian. Uh, subtitle Stories from a Hard Rock Life. Scott Ian is, of course, the uh, the the member of the band uh, Anthrax, the old uh, thrash metal band. He's the guy with the really impressive beard that you used to see on all the VH1 interviews, the I Love the 90s and stuff. Uh, he uh, regales uh, us with his many tales of touring, uh, more more than 30 years experience uh, coming from Scott Ian there. So um, plenty uh, plenty to talk about, all sorts of rock and roll decadence. Uh, so Access All Areas is just one such title that you can have, that you can uh, listen to uh, on Audible. So go check that out, folks. Uh, Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks. Go check out Audible. Hey everybody, it is Monday evening, time for American Winer. How is everybody joining us on this rainy-ass August Monday evening? Uh, my guest tonight, driving in through said rainstorm all the way from Westland, uh, Mr. Kevin Jones. Kevin, how you been, man? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. It's, it's, we were just talking, uh, we were just talking when you, when you came in, uh, I the last time that we saw each other was in 2013, and how time flies, right? It screams by. Yeah, <laughs> um, because uh, the the last time that I saw you, we were working on a 24 hour film festival mm-hmm. um, that you were starring in uh, about an alien abduction uh, called "Don't Let Me Go," and I believe it won something that that at that festival, didn't it? An audience choice it did. or something? It did. It won audience choice. Um, I think we were minutes past the deadline of having it in. Yeah, we were. So, I do remember that. Um, getting audience choice was pretty good. That's that's kind of the whole point of those that those weekends, though, is they really everything's really meant to be helter skelter and just oh, yeah. kind of thrown together. But I was really impressed with the final product of that. And I, we will get into your acting because that is how I met you originally. Yeah. Um, I met you through uh, Franz Vornkamp, who was on the show about a year ago now. Uh, and, uh, the project that I, I, I did with him back in, I mean, now it's like 12 freaking years ago, you know, uh, Godzilla zero hours, what oh, that was boy. called. <laughs> and, uh, we will get into that, but I just want to talk to it's uh, cause it's been five years this November is, it was November, 2013. So how have you been, man? Like what's been up? Pretty good. Uh, it's a long list. I don't even know where to start. Um, just been busy, you know, life kind of wraps you up and throws you all over the place and you just hang on and do the very best you can. Right, right. It's, it's been weird. Well, so like, I mean, what's the what's the one thing that stands out, I guess, in those five years? What's the first thing you can think of? Uh, start of my service in the Army. That is right. That is another topic that I wanted to cover. So now is as good a time as any, right? So tell us about that, man. When was that and what got you started? Uh, the day The day that I signed in. Got all the paperwork done, and it is a, it is a stack of paperwork, and it's quite an experience going through their little uh, uh, inductions and checks process and all that hot stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, was day before Thanksgiving, twenty fifteen. It's almost three years ago now. Yeah, but uh, I remember there was a day that I just woke up and could not stand not serving anymore. Like it just bothered the daylights out of me. Mm-hmm. So I went to Ramshorn and got breakfast 
and then walked into a National Guard armory. Uh, there was a gentleman outside working on some light poles in, in the parking lot, and he's, like, getting wasp nests out of them and whatnot. Huh. And I was like, hey, uh, can I just roll in there and talk to people? And he goes, yeah, sure. You know, he buzzed me in, and uh, I took a left into the recruiting office and sat down and said, what do you know? And I'm here now. And it's probably the best thing I've ever done with my life. Well, I've watched you on Facebook. I've watched some of your uh, several, well, several of your posts over the years uh, since you've joined on Facebook, and I can see it in in just your demeanor. Like it was like this was I can you mentioned like I couldn't stand not serving anymore. I could tell this was a very fulfilling uh, endeavor for you. But so tell us about that first meeting. Like what happened with that when you sat down with the guy and said, "What do you know?" Oh, uh, goodness, uh, we went over it. There's. It's going to sound like a plug if I go over it like that. Um, <laughs> you can get nasty stacks of education benefits mm -hmm. in a hot way. And an old fart like me looking at that, I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I can go to college because I've just kind of rambled through my whole life winging it. Mm -hmm. It's all been from the hip. Uh, <laughs> I just uh, I realized I didn't have too terrible much of a plan. So it seemed like a really good direction. Um, it seemed like a really good challenge for myself mm -hmm. and it most assuredly was, um, I think one of the coolest things that came to pass, uh, is they have that big old aptitude test and it is a wild amorphous beast of general knowledge. And it goes uh, across all the great spans of books that you may have ever covered in any of your general education mm -hmm. through K to 12. Um, but you know, when you're growing up, your parents are always like, yeah, you can do anything you want, sweetheart. You know, you're going to be um, an astronaut, sailor. It's going to go great, you know. <laughs> uh, but then you take that test, you know, and you score what you score and they give you this big list of jobs. And you're like, I really can literally at this moment be anything I want. Mm -hmm. That's kind of exciting. So uh, what did you end up choosing to do then? Like what was your uh, – you know, The first long step? form of it is um, – what is it? Multi-channel transmission systems operator maintainer, which is like a twenty-dollar phrase for I work with radios. Oh, okay. Do satcom stuff. So you're in, you work with radios. So yeah. you're you're a radio man. Yeah. So what have you? <laughs> <laughs> Much different kind. Right. <laughs> well, what do you, what kind of stuff do you do though? Then, like, have you been out? Like, have you gone out and, and on assignments and things? Or like, what's the? I have. I have. Um, the unit that I was with did not have a terrible amount of that equipment. Um. So when I started, when I first got in there, we shared an armory with MPs. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of comm stuff laying around. So drill became a good amount of self-study, staying busy, cleaning the daylights out of the armory. Uh, there are no janitors in the army. There of are course. just privates. Yep. So <laughs> it's like Japanese school. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was pretty interesting, but it helped me find really early on um, a little niche in just inspiring the people that I'm with to do something, to mm -hmm. do more, to do more than just uh, get lost in your phone for eight hours until drill's done. So, right, man. Well, yeah. I, I got to ask you because we, we, we've kind of delved into your military, the beginning of your military career there and what you ended up choosing to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, but I just hit something just hit me. I don't really know you that in depth like i don't know where you're from or like where you were born or where where your childhood was or anything like that sure. we met i met you forgive me for how old are you now like uh 35 you're and 35 I had, you like how i had to think about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> well because i knew you were older than me but when i met you i was like i was like first of all this is like 
with all due respect, I love everybody else that was involved in that movie, but I was like, okay, this guy can act. Like, he's actually, that's like, that, that's the first thing. I was like, I can, this Thank guy's you. performance is seamless. Like, he, I actually believe what's going on here. Um, and that's not to say that my other co, co-stars and myself were necessarily bad. It was just, it was pretty obvious that we were amateurs and, and you had, there's, there's a seamlessness to the acting that you do. Um, but so tell us about yourself, man. Like, where did you, what's your story? Okay. Like, oh, really? Uh, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And <laughs> as best you can. Yeah. <laughs> happy to do it. Uh, you get this far along and sooner or later you're like, yeah, you just lose track of them. It's hard to put a timeline together, but, um, I started in Dearborn as a child and it's a wonderful city. And I mean, especially probably cause I was a kid everything's fantastic and golden and fluffy. Right. Know? Right. Um, just running around the neighborhood, riding your bike, playing in the park. Back when kids could rattle down to the park that was like two blocks away. Mm-hmm. And on Saturdays, they would crack open a cubby and it would be full of um, board games and all kinds of silliness. And you'd screw around for a couple hours and do your thing, shoot some ladders, you'd glue popsicle sticks together or whatever else. And your parents could finally have a little bit of time to just enjoy themselves. So mm-hmm. it was it was a nice time for everybody. I'm yeah, sure. the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> right, when everyone looked like an absolute dink, but we were fine with it. <laughs> we were just fine with it. You're just rocking down the street in your Oshkosh bagash, you know. Oh, goodness. Yeah, it was it was lovely, though. Um, and I was there until about seven and a half, eight years old, and then I moved to Canton. <clears throat> and what, Holiday Park. It's on Joy and Haggerty, and I grew up in there until a year and change after high school and then commenced to rambling around the world on my own. What did you do? Because you said you, you, didn't go to, you didn't go to college right away. That's so correct. What did you do instead? Oh, boy, howdy. Um, <laughs> I actually just applied for somewhere, and it's not the first time this has happened. Um, you have to give like a 10-year residence history and a 10-year employment history. And uh, that taxed my brain. Oh, I mean, yeah. things were smoking. There was stuff coming out of my ears. So <laughs> uh, I started as a real youngin at Domino's, tossing pizzas as an insider. And that went about as well as it could. You know. uh, well done that. It's, a, it's a glorious thing, thing yeah. and it keeps you fed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you're young and you think you know it all and you have a disagreement with your boss and that's the end of it. So. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a certain freedom to be able to do that though too. It's, oh, it's like, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I wanted to do that at my pizza job and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. So, uh, so good for you. <laughs> hey, I'm back at you, Gunga Den. It takes a good amount of uh, dedication to not. Well, uh, that's a good that's a good point. Uh, Thank you for saying there that. There is but, strength in both. There well, now I got both choices. Now I got to ask, what's the story with that? Can you can you recount what happened with that? Just out of curiosity. Uh, back in the day, when you could speak your mind and you were immediately slapped in irons and taken away to the tower. Um, gosh, the boss was clocking in even though he wasn't there uh and it bothered me it bothered me on a very deep level so i didn't like the guy off the cuff mm-hmm. um that that moral compass continues to get me into exemplary trouble time and time again um but somebody was kind of whinging on about him like oh this guy this guy this guy this guy and i was like yeah you know uh it'd be kind of funny if x and i won't say x because i don't incriminate myself but i did say something and uh, everyone had a good laugh at it at the time. And then he calls me in on a day that I didn't have to work. And I was like, oh, shucks, howdy, extra hours. Let's go make them duckies. <laughs> so I ride my bike up there, all the way up there. And uh, he sits me down in his office and he says, you know, did you say 
I was like, well, I suppose I did, huh? So he you goes, submitted to it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, honesty being the best policy for getting yourself in trouble. Yeah, of course. Um, and he says, well, I'm going to give you two choices. And he's like, I'm not going to call the police here, you know, but you could resign. And I was like, all right, well, then I guess I do that, you know? <laughs> I get, if I, you know, like kind of like uh, that Tom Green movie, I, I respectfully bow out of the cheese sandwich industry, <laughs> you know? Like, sure, why not? And uh, he hands me a piece of paper and a pen, and he's like, well, you got to write your resignation letter. And I was like, <laughs> to leave pizza. Is that really? So I wrote him an essay, man. I mean, just, I was like, you got another piece? And he's like, what? And I was like, you got another piece of paper? Like, you want me to do it? I'm going to do it. And uh, I think it was like two sides, two pieces of paper. Like, here you go. Wow. So you wrote a resignation letter to Domino's. <laughs> you, you freaking, uh... <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, they're yeah. a politician. <laughs> Richard Nixon wrote a, wrote a shorter resignation letter. Uh, probably, and, and huh? That, that, that's yeah. crazy. Thank you very much, American people, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> sorry or not sorry. <laughs> Sincerely. We all know Master I'm getting Nixon. pardoned. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, so so what happened after that then, man? You uh, what to what to what? Uh, there was a little bit of work in between, um, and that in between ran the span of like 10 years and change. I remember I was playing Grand Theft Auto 3, and I think my brother called me. He's like, what are you doing, nerd? And I'm like, I'm just, you know, playing games. And he's like, you want to make some money? I'm like, oh, yes. And uh, then I got a job at a bar, and I worked there. A very long time. Bartending? No, heavens no. Uh, part of the, uh, the Dishman's Union. Oh, okay. the back of the house. Uh, I did that too, yeah, yeah, at Outback. It's good work. It's honest work. Yeah, yeah. It keeps you, uh, keeps you limber and in shape and wet, constantly wet forever. Yes, yes. Yeah. You get trench foot. I don't know <laughs> <what> that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. Oh, God. I remember a shift there um, because in the in the indiscretions of your youth you buy interesting clothes you do that and i still do but not quite as interesting as then and what was that leather store in the mall i think it's still there hot topic no no <laughs> no the more professionally leather one uh, i bought a pair of suede pants right uh. yeah cuz i used to larp once upon a time and i was like these will look great that's right so yeah. i bought these suede pants and uh, somewhere in my brain meets, I was like, wear them to work, be lazy, don't change out of your pants. So I wear, <laughs> I wear these suede pants in to do dishes. Brilliant. And, of course, I bought the waterproof and spray. You do what you do. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's junk. It's junk in a can. Um, and that particular day, the grease trap had backed up to the point where we had to leave the top off of it, the grease trap in the floor that catches all the, all the not-so-hot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you had to run a shop vac to oh, take Lord. it all out of there because it backed up so fast over the course of your shift probably five or six times. And then empty the shop vac of all the nastiness in the appropriate receptacle, of course. Definitely not the parking lot. Uh, <laughs> and I fell in it. I fell in it. You fell in the, the uh, collected. Yeah. How well, did no, that? I, I fell in the trap. In the floor. Oh, in the, oh my God. Mm, yes, it was a sizable space. And, and, with your uh, suede pants. With my suede pants all the way up probably – to just below my belly button. Oh so, my god! Yeah, it was so a treat. It was you were waiting in it. Yeah, yeah. I jumped out of that. You know, you can only you can only give yourself a bath so well in the employee bathroom. <laughs> yeah. So I guess wear that for the rest of my shift. That was nice. Um, and from there, I mean, having worked there, uh, scatter shot over the course of years, whenever things got slow, uh, I did a little factory work. 
I did not find that wildly pleasant either. Um, you get good pay out of it, but there was a floor manager there. And yeah, it comes back to a recurring theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I showed up and I was early and my relief operator was not there. I don't know what they were doing, but my line was running and parts were all over the floor. Uh. So I went to scoop up my parts and they were like um, the little seatbelt runners. Yeah. The little yeah. like plastic U's, O's, whatever you want to call them. You got to snap them all off the frame and check them all for quality and lightning fast while the thing's still running. So <clears throat> I take all these parts and I put them in a pile to the side because I don't have time to do that while it's still banging away. And I'm checking my parts and I'm checking my parts. And um, the floor walker come by and he goes, what are all these parts doing here? And I'm counting them out. They're supposed to be like 355, we'll say, some arbitrary number like that in a crate. So mm-hmm. I'm at like 272, 273, 274. And he picks up all this stuff off the floor and he chucks them in the bin that I'm counting. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, quality That's, control. Yeah, it's too right. <laughs> so I just take a nice deep breath. And then he takes the conveyor that's kind of on casters uh, and shoves it closer to the other machine. Why is this so far out? But it's got these big paddles on it. So the paddles start catching on the other machine. I was like, well, that's why. And I pull it back and he shoves it back. And I just hit the stop button. Boof. I hit the stop button on my line and I just walk to HR. Like, hey. Uh, that was it. Huh? Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you've kind of just been, you, you just, you, you just decided you were kind of just going about your, did you have like, I mean, did you want to act like professionally or anything? Did you have any sort of, uh, you know, you know, goal in mind that like you were aiming for? Or was it just kind of, you were just kind of just living? The yeah. acting thing, I just kind of stumbled into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thank you for that compliment earlier about it being seamless because I, uh, much in the way of, uh, dancing or singing to a crowd. Uh, I feel so very awkward and stiff and icy when I'm acting. Really? I, yeah, I feel like I'm being a complete and total robot. So for you to say that it seems natural in the least bit is like, woof, I can <laughs> sleep now. Uh, <laughs> as far as a goal, uh, no. I guess I never really had one. Just be good to the people around me and try to survive. Well, that's there's nothing wrong with that. I was no. just I was just wondering because you know, mm-hmm. and the other thing before we get into the because I want to get into your acting here um, in depth in a second. But uh, I did. You mentioned you have a brother. Uh, what what's what sort of family do you have? Are you are you the youngest, the oldest? What's your? I am the baby. Really? Yes, I am a big bumbling baby. How uh, how many siblings do you have? Uh, I've got my sister and two half brothers. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. See, there you go. I'm getting to know you, man. With well, along with everybody else. So, Behold, yeah. crack it open, see the layers. Yeah, I've known you for, uh, like I said, like 12, 12 years now. It was 2006. So, uh, and I have to say, the first time, because getting into your acting now, the first time I saw you, it was, uh, you played a guy named J.D. Leeson, I think it was. You were the antagonist <laughs> of Godzilla Zero Hour. You were yeah. the, you were kind of the, um, uh, the the character that Vera Farminga appears to be playing in the new Godzilla movie that's coming out next year, where she's kind of the orchestrator. She's the one who wants to wake the monsters up to destroy humanity or whatever. Sure. And uh, and there was some the the scene that that Franz had shot with you. It was some like you were on the phone talking, so just plotting your evil plan. And mm-hmm. and, uh, and I he may have shown that to me as like a part of the. Like get me interested in this type of project, sort of thing, you know? Because I I hadn't, I didn't know anybody. I just contacted uh, uh, a uh, not a recruiter, a freaking. I'd done an audition with this local producer, and, oh, okay. and he was the one who put me in touch with Franz. Uh, but I was just I was just like, 
who the hell is this guy? Like his speech patterns are so <laughs> intriguing. And then, and then it just kind of became, cause you were just like this, this figure that would kind of show up. You'd be at some parties. You'd, you'd, you just kind of were hanging around. And I remember one time, I'll never forget this. We were over at Franz's apartment. You guys were all playing. It must have been Call of Duty. Some, oh, probably some, yeah. uh, war game. <clears throat> and I remember, uh, one kid, uh, joined the battle and he was like, how do you know you're winning? And I remember you, uh, down in front, you were like, hey, you know, you just get one of those feelings. <laughs> um, so that was kind of my impression. Yeah, I was like, this guy's got a really good sense of humor, and he's he's a he's a seamless actor. Um, but uh, I'd never really like, like I said, I never really hung out with you one on one or anything. So it was it was it's really interesting to be doing this now. But so the the uh, all that aside, uh, you said you you just kind of stumbled into acting. Yeah, tell us about that. Um, gosh, I did, uh, a handful of kind of goofy, you know, when you're uh, 14 to 19, we'll give it that age range. And one of your buddies has a camcorder and you're like, let's make a doofy movie about, Mm -hmm. and then you do. And then it's kind of funny or it was pretty rough or it is what it is. And y'all just, you know, you, uh, took care of the hours in between nothing or in between work. Um, I did a couple really goofy ones, but they were fantastically fun with Bob Harrington. My roommate is a rhombus. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. yeah you you voiced a, a rhombus. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> yeah. A literal rhombus, a little anthropomorphic rhombus that uh, moves in. And then you're also the guy's dad, right? Because yeah. this, this kid moves in to an apartment, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, and yeah. then his roommate is a rhombus, this really malevolent rhombus. It was a treat. I yeah. really enjoyed it. I loved, loved, loved the character concept. Um, I had a scene for that that was really over the top that I really wanted to do. Um, and it was just um, totally inane, kind of like uh, Monty Pythonic humor, mm-hmm. um, where <clears throat> I think the roommate had a friend or something to that effect. It was kind of in the way of what Rhombus had going on altogether. So um, the scene I wanted was uh, them and Rhombus. I believe they were going to college together. Mm-hmm. And I wanted Rhombus to apologize, you know. And he's shaking his hand. And the kid is shaking the Rhombus's hand. And <laughs> <it's> <laughs> a marching band uh-huh. would come up the street. And, like, the, they would do a couple takes where the kid would look at the marching band. And then back to Rhombus. Rhombus would just be deadpan. Shaking his hand, but not letting go of it, and then the marching band would run him over. Oh, the, literally! So yeah, like just, the Ramas like, is holding him there. Yeah, for the, like what you, song? You is, couldn't stop shaking my hand. I'm apologizing to you. Right. Yeah. Well, what song is the marching band playing? As I had runs no him over? clue. If uh, oh man, at the time I probably had something in mind. As it stands now, I have nothing. And you guys just couldn't get a marching band, so that's what that's. You know, was. I had enough friends in band that I probably could have cajoled them into it, but I don't think anyone else was too hip to the idea. <laughs> um. Well, so you just you just did a bunch of sort of little uh, goofy vignettes with uh, with some friends of yours, basically, and yeah. that's that was the genesis of it, huh? Yeah. How, how did you get involved in Zero Hour then? Uh, Franz, I believe, at one point was on scene with some equipment, or was in one of the scenes, and that just kind of naturally melted into doing projects with him. Oh, okay. Um, he said, you know, I've got this thing. Uh, check it out. Read this. See if you want to do it. Um, wanted me to be that. Uh, Kind of looming in the background, evil scientist character. And I was right. like, well, what do you need me to do? You know, cause I'm still, um, 
probably starting with the goofy stuff made me a little less stodgy. I can't imagine if people started me on what would have been serious projects. I had, I'd be a stone wall with eyeballs on it. Um, <clears throat> he said, well, you've just got to kind of hang out at this desk and uh, talk. And I was like, oh, I could do that. That's a, <laughs> so doing your it right dialogue now was ad-lib then? You ad-lib most of that? Uh, no, it was, there was definitely a script. Um, I couldn't tell you how long it was or the size of the thing by now, but. There was there was printed goodness. There were guidelines. There basically. were guidelines. Yeah, I was thankful for them. Wow. Well, so and then you did you so you did zero hour. What else have you done, man? Like, I mean, it was was that pretty much it, or have you been? Because did you do more twenty four hour film festivals, or like what? what uh, else we you did on? that twenty four hour film festival with Don't Let Me Go. Um, we did another one that was kind of a, a continuation in between of like the Alien plot. <clears throat> oh, you, derelict. Yes, you were in that. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, and that was out in Manesson, Pennsylvania is where the kids were going to school for that. Right. And that was an absolute treat, really, to um, get away from it all for a little bit and spend what ended up being about two weeks and change in that tiny little town in Pennsylvania with um, uh, two whole restaurants. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> One of them is the pasta shop. Uh-huh. You know? It's the kind of place where the waitress would walk up and say, you know, what do you and guys want? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I can get along with this. This is just fine. It was the great right people. <laughs> and that was, it was the right time of year too. Cause you got the special effects school right there. And, um, there was a Halloween party and man, you talk about like makeup and costumes. Oh yeah. It's, it's what they're doing. It's what they do and want to do as a profession. And it was just off the charts. Cool. Um, have you d- been doing anything lately acting wise? I haven't. No, the military no. career has taken over. huh? Right. Yeah. Uh, the very most acting I have been doing lately is acting calm. <laughs> and, and pretending that everything's on track and just fine. Yeah. <clears throat> As are we all, right? <laughs> Too right. Too right. Oscars for everyone. Yeah. Well, um, well, let's, let's, uh, we can, that's a perfect segue into, into the military, uh, material then. So when we, uh, we got into it a little bit at the beginning there, mm-hmm. um, with how you, you just basically said, I've, it sounded like it was something you'd always wanted to do. Very much. And so why did you wait until you're 35 now? You were 32, 33 when you went in there. What, what, why'd you wait? Uh, you know, you just kind of get caught up and you, you get to doing your stuff. I know at the time that, well, when I was younger anyways, like when I was working at that bar, I got to watch, uh, George Bush on the TV and I've got my hands full of bus tub and he's up there like, well, we're going to go beat up some bad guys. And I'm standing there like, oh, wow, that's really happening, huh? Like the, the whole place just stopped. It's like time froze and everyone just watched it. Mm-hmm. And um, being uh, an interesting uh, bullheaded eccentric, um, it would have put me in grand shape, but I didn't have the mind to join then. <clears throat> and as time went on and I came to know, uh, myself and the stories of my family better. Uh, it occurred to me that we have a long and fantastic history of exemplary servicemen. And it just kind of ate at me. It's like, you know, if there's any of that inside me and I am denying that potential to my country, that is like uh, ultimately selfish. Mm-hmm. So, so it just finally came to a head basically. Very much so. Yeah, it kept me up. It well, kept me up. Why, uh, why the National Guard? Why did you pick that? It's just the first place I saw. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be okay, perfectly <laughs> frank, it was uh, on the way to work. I would drive past that armory uh, six days a week, seven days a week. And I was right next to my house at the time. So mm-hmm. just kind of rolled in there. So <clears> after <throat> you signed up, 
Mm-hmm. Um, what happened? Tell us the story. Like, what was the process? So when you're in the guard, uh, the first thing you do before your date to ship for basic is on the weekends that in that particular segment of people who are waiting to go and do their training proper, um, you have RSP. It's like recruit sustainment. Mm-hmm. So you go in and they get you up to speed. So when you get to training, you can hit the ground running. You go to oh, – I went to the Detroit Light Guard Armory on 8 Mile and something else. And it is an experience down there. You're out there doing your run <laughs> and that the the whole neighborhood is happening around you, you know, mm-hmm. with zero filters. As they all do, I suppose, but that one much more raw. <clears throat> there was one time that we were um think we were just doing a mile, ain't no thing. And just busting down the street at a reasonable pace. And the cops rolled up to this house and we're running. And this uh this guy's sitting on the porch with his old lady. And he sees the car, and they ain't even out of the car yet. And the dude gets up, he looks, he thinks about his exits, and then he leaps over the fence. And I mean, it was like a tall, like farm wood kind of fence, you know. It's like six and a half feet tall, and he just whoop. So he leapt into the military. Uh, oh, oh heavens his, no, 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 uh, no. No, he leapt into his backyard and oh, then probably okay. out of it and into several other I was going to say, he must have really wanted to, <laughs> to get away then if he's going to run he's towards like, the – He's like, take me. Run towards take the recruits. Yeah, yeah, tell me what you could do for me. Yeah. Um, no, he just uh, – he peaced out into his yard, and the cop kind of looks at us, and he's like, man, it's hot outside. I ain't chasing him. That's like <laughs> – Welcome to Detroit. Yeah, right? yeah. right. Um But RSP uh, was rough and tumble. No way around it. They are going to let you know pretty quick the kind of things that you can expect in training. Nobody mm-hmm. took it particularly easy on you. Um, I ended up being a squad leader, and that was nice. It felt pretty good to get any amount of responsibility, and it felt better to find that I took naturally to it. So you needed to make sure that the people in your squad were where they're supposed to be at the right time. And so on and so on. And it also means that when you're done eating at your lunch table, they are done eating, mm-hmm. um, which <clears throat> I had to adjust the speed at which I consume things for that particular event because it is not fair. I eat like a dog. I eat uh. like a starved dog <laughs> just uh, as a standard. So well, that was, that nice was I'm sure they appreciated that. Right? Yeah. It, Instead of just being like, you, <laughs> you adapt to me, right? Like, right. I was like, man, this is like, it's the one time of the day they get to sit still and just not do something. So why, uh, <laughs> well, there's two questions that I had uh, just from that spiel there. One was, mm-hmm. did, did your, did your age play any sort of role in, uh, in like you getting recruited when you were 32? Cause I, it sounded like these guys were younger than you. Oh, you thoroughly. Were, yeah. Um, so was, was there any, uh, type of issue with that? And then the other thing was, why, why did you think you got, why did you get, uh, assigned squad leader? Um, they kind of felt it out. I think one or two drills, they just kind of tossed a task at me and I took it uh, serious as a heart attack. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it'd be simple stuff. Like, uh, we'd be out doing land nav and they're like, I need every single one of these compasses back. There cannot be one unaccounted for. And when people get back, I need you to tell them to sit here. And in any particular order, et cetera, et cetera. So then I took to it. I was like, wow, uh, one of the most serious people here at Drill, one of the most hardcore sergeants was like, Jones, do this and do it well. So then I did because failing that man who would smoke the daylights out of you just because mm-hmm. was not an option. <clears throat> and it went well. Um, and then I think it was the next day that he was like, yeah, you squad leader. It's done. Um, age definitely didn't play too terribly much into it. It played into my service so far in a completely different way. When I went to basic, I went from having zero children 
to having 39, basically. Oh, which wow. was the number of us in our platoon. They were all younger than me. And uh, as such, they take cues from you, even if you don't know it. Um, and I got to hear all the Dear John letters, you know, where you got all these kids who everything's going really good and basic is enough of a shock to begin with. And leaving your hometown at that age probably doesn't feel very good. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't bother me in the least bit. When I get any amount of active duty time, it's the very best thing I can do because it means I get to leave. What those kids will come to find out, it's always going to be there. Your, you know, your shake and steak is going to be there. All your friends are still going to be spinning their wheels. Uh, you'll come back and there will be a mountain of bills. Mm-hmm. There's nothing waiting. It's fine. Leave it. Go. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to help them when they came across stuff like that, you know, there was even one guy, his parents and everyone else in his whole life did not agree with his decision to join, which was heartbreaking. So any of the moments that people confided in me uh, and trust me with any little ounce of their hurt, I was happy to be their dad. And they came to call me Papa Jones after a little while. So <laughs> it is what it is. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a hell of a feeling. Um, so what was, uh, so what was basic like then? Like, I mean, oh, it was the best. Was it? It was the absolute best. Yes. Yes. Up, down and sideways. Um, cause I was going through a goodly bit of trouble in my life at the time to begin with. Um, which isn't, I guess, a new pattern, but, um, the very important person to me in my life had walked out shortly before that. So when I went, it was a wonderful distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, any time that we got smoked, I was happy to have it. Because you can't, it's very zen, you know, somebody, somebody screws up, whatever it is, your name types on backwards. Uh, somebody laughs because the drill sergeants will say hilarious stuff and they'll say it fierce as a tornado and they mean it. And that juxtaposed with their incredible way around the English language um, is just nothing short of funny. It's part of teaching you to maintain your composure as well. Uh, there's always a guy that cannot maintain his composure. He wants to just let it all out. We, we've, I've seen Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had a kid that just laughed all the time where he smiled and he couldn't help it. So in that, when you're, when you're getting smoked, when you're down on the deck and you're doing your push-ups or you're doing your flutter kicks or whatever it is or the, uh, the squat, various forms of squats, there's probably a million of them. Um, you can only be right there. You can't be off thinking about things in mm-hmm. your, in your little memory museum, you know, like all the things that are troubling you or could be troubling you. Those are not important right now. You are just getting strong or you're hurting, mm-hmm. but you're physically hurting, you know what I mean? And that's good. That's, it's going to stop sooner or later. It's not a forever hurt. It's a right now hurt and it's a good challenge and I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, how long was basic then? Uh, July 14 to September, sometime in September. So a couple months. Yeah. Where was it? Uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Oh, okay. Um, and so, and so what happened after basic then? Then you get family day. Um, so cheese bowl, uh, Matt Sicard. Uh, is a fantastic human being who let me adopt his family for family day. Mm. Uh, and I went and bombed around with them and it was a treat. Um, but after that, you go to your advanced training. So uh, you hang around where you are for a day, maybe, and then you get back on another bus, which is just as comfortable as all the buses you've been on in the first place. They aren't. Um, and you go to, uh, at that point, I think we did take a short flight and then POW. Uh, Fort Gordon, Georgia. Mm. So 
went from hot to hot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it was fall by that point though. So yeah. No, I mean, there's, for you. you see some weird weather there. It'll be, um, 32, 39 degrees in the morning. And then by noon, it's like 82. No shit. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Well, it don't make no damn sense, but it happens. Huh. <laughs> it shows you how much experience I have with the, with the deep South there. I've, I've, I've driven through it a couple of times, but yeah. other than that, um, it is interesting. It's a different culture for sure. Um, and we got people from all over, all over the joint. So my experience with the South, the South was uh, localized to the bases. Um, but you get, you know, some people owe the South who are in the service with you. So you, you get that, you get, you get a little bit of what they got going on. Mm-hmm. I remember in basic, there was one guy, I never heard of the restaurant in my whole life, but all he wanted to do, all he talked about the whole time, this was his thing. It's his diamond that he kept in his mind the whole time to keep himself going. Was to go to Bojangles on Bojangles. family. Yeah, it's like that a fast food restaurant. the most southern restaurant. name for Isn't that a great? restaurant. Too. Yeah, he'd be like, "Man, I can get through this. I just want to get to Bojangles." <laughs> and I'm like, "What? What is the?" Maybe he was making it up just to fuck with you guys, too. <laughs> right? He went exactly. home and he was like, "Guys, they totally bought it. <laughs> yeah, they did it, man. They bought the Bojangles thing. I told you they would." Yeah. Um. So I don't. It just occurred to me. I don't. I imagine there's some things that you can't disclose on the air. Yeah. But like, sir, can you talk about the sort of things that you were working on after you know in your career? Like, you, I mean, you're a radio guy, so yeah. I mean, what um, did they have you doing? Yes, there are things in the in the interest of what I should and shouldn't do or talk about that I cannot ramble on at length. But basically, I have not had the opportunity to very much, but can. Fire up particular types of equipment and snap signals to geocentric satellites that hang out in uh, our hemisphere, and uh, and they appear to be in the same spot all the time because they're in rotation with right, us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and knock a signal off of that, and then back down. So calm stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Or run the the big green boxes that you see just smack down everything else. So I gotta ask <clears throat> what. Like, was this what you expected it to be when you joined? Hmm. Um, basic was what I expected it to be. Um, the the RSP uh, was what I expected it to be. There is a point, I think, depending on your unit, depending on the equipment and the resources they have, uh, and you are you're like at the at the mercy of the state's budget, mm-hmm. right? So. I didn't have any comms equipment to use, as I mentioned before, at my, at my unit when I finally got there. So you have to make it what you want it. You have to seek orders when there's nothing to do. You have to drive yourself to mm-hmm. be some kind of successful, or you can just hang out for hours and do nothing, uh, which isn't terribly productive. But we've moved to a new armory. We have things. We're getting up to speed. Um, when I joined the unit, the particular unit I'm in, it was brand new. It was like, stood up three to five months prior. So that's another reason I jumped right in there. I was like, that sounds great. You guys are kicking something off the ground. Let me give you a hand. Did you think, uh, did you think about leaving Michigan like permanently, like joining a unit somewhere out out of state? I have heavily considered, uh, every single moment I've been in active service all the time. I do. <laughs> Cause it would be a real treat. Um, the reasons I don't, uh, my family, uh, above and beyond anything, you know, uh, civilian jobs, any of that, they come and go. It's like any of my friends, they're scared to leave their jobs, uh, are worried about their jobs, leaving them. 
Um, I tell them that every building outside of that building they're in right now that doesn't have people living in it is a place of work mm-hmm. and you have nothing to be terrified about. It's they're, they're everywhere. They're every single building outside here that ain't a house is a place that'll hire you depending Include, on your experience. Yeah. The uh, one that we're sitting in right now. Exactly. That's a, right. that's a really interesting way of looking at it too, man. Like <laughs> I will remember that the next time I am afraid I'm going to lose my job. Cause Please I work, do. I work in the, uh, in the, um, the automotive industry. Yeah. So that happens. That's happened once a year. For that's the past, fair. As yeah. long as I've been doing it. So nature of that beast. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what are you, what have you, you kind of went into this, uh, at the beginning, but, uh, what, what are you up to recently? Like, what have you been, what have you been doing with your, with the military stuff? Lately? Sure. Uh, goodness. We went to Poland and it was an absolute treat. There was an opportunity to go and I threw my name in the hat. Uh, anytime they have something like that and I've seen two opportunities, um, I get a hold of everybody I can and I pester the daylights out of them because mm. I want to go because send me, because send me. It is like, the very first thing I did when I got to my unit proper is I went right up to my readiness NCO and I said, what do you got? And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, what's going on? You know, I know these kids want to spend the summer with everybody. I do not, you know, <laughs> get me out of here. Where do you need me? What can I do? Uh, and he goes, you know, cool your jets. And then I'd wait maybe another month or two and I'd go up to him and be like, hey, uh, what do you got? You know, <laughs> he's like, and he, he regaled me with his experience on various deployments or or aid uh, stateside. And he's like, it's not the picnic you think it is. I'm accustomed to not being at picnics. Please <laughs> make use of that. You know what I mean? Because we're just out here doing nothing. I um, I don't feel very good about it. It's uh-huh. a waste. It's a waste. Um, gosh, what was the original question? I've just kind of gone. I was, it was just kind of sure. a generic, like, what have you been up to recently? Ah, uh, so. yeah. So there it is. Um, we went to Poland and it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, I'm sure, again, I'm sure you can't disclose certain information, but can you talk about like the general, you know, like what you guys were doing or can you not even get into that? Well, uh, (laughs) why don't we go ahead and get 1940s, 50s newspaper about it and say that it was weather observations. Do you like that? Uh, yeah. There you go. That'll work. Um, it was beautiful. Uh, it was like driving through. Like northwestern Michigan, like oh, uh, really? what kind of northwestern? Like the drive to Cabela's from oh, okay. our end of town, our original end of town. No kidding. Where you get out and it's just kind of like a little bit of rolling farmland, and then nothing, and then a little bit of rolling farmland. I was literally in Dundee yesterday, so that's so funny <laughs> that you bring that up. Yeah. Perfect. So yeah. yeah, I mean, where we were, anyways, it was about like that. Um, it was really a wild experience. Um, there's areas where. Everyone's doing pretty well, and then there are areas that are really, really poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess you know you see that everywhere. Um, but the stability that we have here, uh, even in our worst areas, doesn't stack up. Um, and that's Europe there. That's Eastern Europe too. Mm-hmm. So that's I mean compared to some other areas, that's even that's considered it has some form of stability, right? Right. So yeah, they um, as a people historically have gotten the rough end of it a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. So it was actually – All those Polak jokes, man. I mean the Polak <laughs> jokes alone. You know, <laughs> a lot of, not even getting into everything else, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Too right. Um, everyone's just having a laugh at them. Frankly, I find them quite intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, it was wild. Like I went through one of their museums and they just – they'd get somebody in office that told them, okay, we're going to pick it up. 
you know, more or less. I know it's been rough, but uh, I got you guys this time. And everyone would be like, huzzah, this guy. And then he would get back and curl his mustache. <laughs> and he'd look outside to think about tying people to the train tracks and then run it all off the rails. Mm-hmm. And then they'd take to the streets by the tens of thousands and be like, no, not again. And then people would roll tanks and APCs down the street at them. And they would do it anyways. Um, and again and again and again, decade after decade. Until finally they're in the the semi-new, kind of newborn state of freedom they're in. And it really – it brought me to tears really? when I got back and the first person I told about it, absolutely. Because um, you see them just really genuinely, rawly enjoying things that they probably haven't been able to do. Um, like you said, it's the newborn type uh, yeah. type of thing where yeah. it's like this. they're not taking it for granted. Exactly. Yet. Exactly. Yeah. That is the the feeling that I was going for. Mm. Um, it's not just so uh, – what would you say? Vending machine freedom. <laughs> like I could walk out in the hallway and, and get a cup of liberty. No problem. Do, you know? do, I have to ask you, do you write at all, man? I did. I have. I do. I do not enough. You you talk like, like – you. Every, I'm so glad that we're recording all this because, like, oh, there have been like like 12 things that you've said that are just like perfect, like the vending machine freedom. You know, that's like a perfect metaphor. I can I can see exactly what you meant by that. Um, but uh, we're actually, believe it or not, we're actually we have like five minutes left. Fair we, enough. Yeah, we're well. we're almost done. So I'm just gonna we'll just do five minutes of. Do you have anything to whine about, man? Anything on your mind? Oh shucks, howdy. Whoa, where to start? I mean, that's a big list. <laughs> that's a big list. I try daily to work at my peace and be okay with things, but there are so very, very many things that aren't okay. And lately I think um, I've been focusing on calling them what they are. You know, when something's not all right or somebody is doing something that's not all right, it's okay to just point at it and right in front of uh, God and everybody say, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think we do that enough. As a, as a society, as a people, as a group, as a Facebook group, as three people sitting around a table or as some guys that sometimes get pints together or as people that play tabletop games together or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody calls out the bad stuff. Call it out. You know, be brave. Do that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, tell people they're wrong and not in a like that's not a word you don't win at Scrabble kind of way but like uh no you're you're well off the beaten path of like social mores and norms and just generally being a good person knock it off mm-hmm. um and i think it would solve a lot of problems not initially but over the course of a decade or two if everybody was fine with slapping iron like with their words that mm-hmm. is obviously because <laughs> you know uh drywall doesn't really hold much and everybody would be hurt um just slap iron on, on shit that's not okay. And you're talking about like like abuse of power or like like what's the – Any and all things. I uh-huh. mean not not to broad stroke it but uh, I have this really big paintbrush I brought with me and it's perfect for it. <laughs> um, just all of it. I was wondering know, what if, that was for. Yeah. Well, it's, the <laughs> I, I at least put it on some paper towel. I hope the rug's all right. <laughs> um, people not using their blinkers. Somebody cutting in line in front of you. Um, somebody – how do you say making somebody feel like they're not enough? Let's say you had two friends that hang out together. Uh, they may be romantically involved. They may not be, but you can always tell that one of them's kind of riding the other's ass in not the best way. Mm-hmm. Um, let them know, pull them aside, say, Hey, 
Uh, maybe you cats don't really groove well, or maybe you guys have emotional needs that aren't being met, but I, you know, you and so-and-so probably should have a raw and honest conversation. Mm -hmm. And they're probably going to spin around on their heels on you and be like, you got no business talking to me about my business. Um, which is what Mississippi John Hurt has a fantastic song about that, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, it would be good if everyone was honest with themselves and everyone else mm -hmm. about things that just generally aren't all right. Well, I, I, I actually, that, that's a perfect place to end it right there, man. So, and believe it or not, uh, at the, uh, beginning of the show, uh, when the first, like, I mean, it was a while, like the first summer, like I, I felt like every episode I would end on the, like everything that the, any topic that people would want to whine about mm -hmm. could be solved with mindfulness or, or just treating people better. And it sounds Pollyanna ish. And it sounds like I haven't even brought it up and it's been, it's been a quite a while close to a year probably but um uh that's it's it's so cool that you uh that you've you you chose to uh to end your uh your interview with that on that note so, I'm quite happy I did yeah I'm quite happy yeah, I it did worked that. out very nicely there so the paintbrush uh the paintbrush was a good move good hustle, <laughs> good hustle brushy nice moves <laughs> um so thanks a lot for coming in man this went by really fast which is always a good sign so, thanks for having me this has been a treat yeah yeah we will we'll do it again we'll have you back so exemplary um i will be back i'm actually off next week i will be out of town but uh i will be back on the 20th uh with another show and uh i will i won't see everyone then but i you'll hear me then that'll be the next uh the next time i'll be around this has been american whiner on podcast detroit.com <laughs>